Welcome to episode 215. Do you lead your church from a place of humility or entitlement? How to manage expectations and receive what God wants to give you. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 215 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm Jason Tucker, here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason. Excited for Christmas, ready to celebrate. Christmas and, time. Uh, Let's go. Christmas, man. It's Christmas. It's been Christmas since November 1st, but hey, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, it is culminating right now and kind of coming to that. You know, I love Christmas Eve and there's a ton. I know if you're a pastor listening right now, you've done so much to get ready for this week and this weekend and everything that's going to come with it. And hopefully now we've gotten to the point where the the critic the turning point has already happened all the prep is mostly in the books and now we can hopefully find ways to enjoy the season enjoy the worship and and uh but i know it's a lot it's a lot leading up to this so we're kind of limping in limping yeah. into uh the finish line here and then and then of course like everything going on in the world you know we got variants you know i mean yeah. omicron lambda i don't know what whatever it is that we're on and the best part is uh listen watching the media try to say Omicron and uh, yeah, it's pretty, you funny. know, every MDiv student, you know, is out there being like, like, I know this one. Greek I know how yeah. to say this one. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We can teach the world something. That's right. We um, have something to offer after all. It's great. Right. But like, you know, uh, obviously people are, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety, at least in my part of the world, you know, New yeah. York city has, has put some pretty heavy mandates in place uh, for all ages. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just a, it's, there's still a lot of stress around it. You know, his numbers are all up, at least in our area. It's uh it's a thing. And, and so kind of dealing with that and also the joy and fun of being back together. And, you know, for a lot of, we're seeing a lot of people show back up in person, which is yeah, all really great, awesome. but it's, it's yeah. definitely a mixed bag. How about with you right now? Is sure. it kind of the same like mixed bag? Yeah. You know, out here on the West coast, it's um, we've had pretty serious restrictions in place and, and precautions for throughout and um, really haven't seen stepping back from those. We are meeting in person, but a lot of the social distancing and mask requirements, all those things are still pretty much in place out here, even though our numbers are down overall. And so we're just trying to figure out, I mean, people are still anxious. They're, they're worried. Their, their habits and lives have been turned upside down. All that is still real. And yet we're seeing more engagement back in person as well. And so how do we connect the dots and create some great moments and experiences for people um, and I think help Christians really live with humility, love, compassion towards the people around them to really be good neighbors. I mean, we talked about that all during the pandemic. How can we be good neighbors? And um, I think we're we're in a position to do that. And it it I think being a good neighbor really uh, it, it's related to what we're going to talk about today. It really you have to have a healthy dose of humility in there in a really divided world with all kinds of opinions about everything. How do you navigate through just to really love and care for people right where they are? And that's what we've been trying to do. Yeah. So we're going to uh, lean into this idea of humility a bit as leaders. 
It seems to make sense, you know, with Christmas here a couple of days away and the humility of Christ uh, yeah, entering the our world. You picture know? Like, of humility, right? Um, yeah. But but sort of Christ as leader. Christ yeah. is, of course, many things at once, but Christ as leader, a leader that leads with this incredible strength in humility. I think there's a lesson here that's helpful to reflect on, especially when we're trying to initiate change in our churches and... Um, there's a struggle, I think, that happens with entitlement mm-hmm. in that we think if we do X, Y needs to happen. And if it doesn't, we get frustrated or angry or disappointed or discouraged. And and I think it robs us of what God may be trying to do in and through us. And I think it's worth camping out on this idea of humility and entitlement. You know, I was... um. Gosh, this was a few years ago. I was at an event and I was with someone who had been to the same event the year before. And, you know, we're at an event. It was a ministry event. And there was, you know, some speakers and stuff. And it's a, getting to be about lunchtime. And, you know, pastors, when it gets to be about lunchtime, you start thinking about, okay, well, what's going to happen? How's this going to work? You know, it's, what's around? You know, are there restaurants around or how's this happen? And then from the stage, they announced that that they had lunch for us and they had gotten... Uh, Chick-fil-A, those boxes with the sandwich and the cookie and the chip, right? I was elated. I was just Yeah, that's perfect. That's overjoyed, a great conference. Right? I was so Whatever excited. Whatever that was, good job. Yeah, totally, totally excited. So, and I'm with this uh, colleague who I'd uh, been there with before. And um, we go to sit down and eat and uh, he's definitely like down about it. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? You don't like Chick-fil-A? He's like, no, I like Chick-fil-A. It's just last year they had like carving stations and they had like, like a whole buffet kind of thing. And this year, like we're just getting the box. It seems like a downer. Like he was just not happy with the meal. And and I was thinking this is sort of like leadership, humility, and entitlement in that when you're expecting nothing, you're happy for everything. Hmm. When you're expecting something and you get something else, you're often disgruntled. Yeah. So good, man. And there's a leadership version of that, right? Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So when it, when it comes to our leadership, you know, I was, it got me thinking about Chick-fil-A and how much I, <laughs> I might actually go find some Chick-fil-A today. That sounds really good. Spicy chicken sandwich with no pickles. Boom, That's let's just, go. Anyway, I love it. Uh, but we do, expectations are a huge part of our, our leadership journey. And I think de- depending on what season of leadership you're in, your expectations shift and change over time. But our, when you, you were saying, I, I like that idea when you're expecting nothing, everything is sort of like Chick-fil-A in a box is great. But when you're expecting, you know, this big, or, you know, ordeal and make a big fuss about you or something, then you're going to be let down. And so what are we doing with our expectations or, and maybe doing, I think Jason, what you're inviting us to is a little bit of a heart check about how we're doing. Are we, uh, you know, practicing humility in our leadership or is some of that entitlement creeping in to our leadership where we're saying, hey, if I just do this, then I should get this result. Or, hey, because of my role, my position, my authority, I should have this. uh, People should treat me this way or look at me this way. Exactly right. It's sort of like an open hand versus a closed fist. You know, humility is an open hand that's able to receive what God's giving. A closed fist it isn't able to receive that. So we're like only going to receive what we. Kung Fu? That's is right. That we're yeah. only going to receive what we've pre-decided we're going to receive. Right. And if it's anything less than that in our minds, we just simply won't receive it. And that's yeah, that's a problem. So true. Yeah, I can think of a, a clear-cut example this year. You know, where I, um, you know, I've been here at Marine View for twelve years, and 
we've let it, we've done a lot of change. We've we worked on revitalization. We're, we're even changing some of the things that we changed. So we're in our second wave of change and things like that. And I remember there was one situation where I was, I was getting frustrated about a particular, um, I don't call it a, uh, just a, a role at the church that I was frustrated by and and with, and I didn't feel like anybody was really listening to my perspective or taking it seriously. And I, there was the first time in a long time where I just wanted to be able to play the pastor card and have people immediately listen, respect what I'm saying, trust my judgment and, and then do it. And instead I was getting a ton of pushback. And I think this is what we're talking about right here. I was expecting when I raised this issue that people would say, oh, how can we help? How can we take care of it? How can we make your life better? And that was not the response. And that I really do believe was a moment where I felt I was entitled to something uh, because of, you know, my leadership history. And had I gone in without expectations and said, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I'm not sure what we want to do about it. What do you guys think? I think my experience of that conversation would have been a lot different. Have you been down that road? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think deciding what, like, whatever your expectations are, I think determines how, in a lot of ways, your longevity, your um, your creativity in worship. Like, if you feel like, oh, I, I just put my heart and soul in this thing and then nothing ever changes or or we don't make any progress or you know, we're just easily, we kind of throw our hands in the air and say, it's all been for nothing. And that will discourage us fast. And that will get us out of a church faster than maybe we need to be and not allow whatever God is doing in the moment to really marinate, Mm -hmm. to really seep in because we're just not having it. And that's a problem. That's a problem I, I know that I face all the time. So it's like, how do I not let entitlement speak into my human relationships and my self expectations and my God expectations. How do I do that? And one of the things, one of the ways to sort of cultivate more leadership humility, um, I actually learned from a friend of mine who um, he's, he's at my church and he's, he's one of the guys I've become really close friends with uh, from the congregation. And he's been in the hospital. Uh, he, the healthiest guy I think I've ever met in my life. He's one of those guys. He can just get up and go run on the beach for 10 miles. And I mean, just like always eats well, always taking care of himself. If anybody in my church were going to have a physical problem, I would never think it would be him. Hmm. And, uh, and he had a thing where it was just like, you know, appendix ruptures. And he was on the brink of dying twice because of different things that happened in the hospital. And, um, so he's been in for a few weeks, you know, and um, has been struggling with recovery. But, but I'm so inspired by him because when I go to visit him, his response is not God. Why is this happening to me? Or I don't deserve it. Or I'm, I'm entitled to something better. It's God. What are you going to teach me through this? And I'm so thankful wow. that that you're teaching me in this moment and that I'm drawing closer to you. He's like, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I'm, I feel like through this, I'm going even deeper. And he was already, honestly, he was already really deep in his faith. So mm. I think about what, what does that look like for us? You know, what's that look like for us in leadership to have this sort of humility that says, God, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. Mm. 
but what are you teaching me through this? Because maybe it was something I couldn't have learned otherwise. Yeah. Keeping that posture of um, what am I learning? How am I growing as a leader? Where are you stretching me? What, what do I need to see and discover maybe about myself or about my leadership or about our congregation? So I do think that, yeah, it's easy to get into that mindset of I've got it figured out or I know who I am or I whatever. And there's you got to have a healthy ego, right? To be a leader, you got to have a healthy sense of yourself. But humility says I'm still open to correction, to new ideas, to seeing and understanding myself or my situation in a way that I haven't before. And I don't know, Jason, why do you think, why do we resist that? Why? I don't know. I mean, we put our time in, so we should just get to, we're owed something or we get, I don't know. What, what is that entitlement versus humility? Well, from? I know for me, this is just me. So it's, it's maybe different for everyone else. Um, but I'm definitely an achiever. So I need achievement to sort of um, give me confidence, I think. That's just always been a thing with me. You know, I've always been, you know, if I don't get the good grade, you know, then my confidence is sort of easily shaken. And I think, too, in in my life and in leadership, you know, there's an achievement part of it. It's like, oh, man, look at what we did. And if things aren't going up and to the right, I start thinking that maybe I'm not as good a leader as I could or should be. And yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the case, but that's rarely the case. Actually, it's usually that's just how like how it worked out. Like, and, yeah, and maybe God was showing me something. You know. Well, I think we were told too that we should be the expert in the room, right? We yeah. we went to school, we we learned these things, we read the leadership books or whatever, and we're in such a different moment and time too. I mean, where we might be the ones that can help frame the conversation, but we don't have all the answers. Like nobody, nobody's been here before, you know, so how do we, how do we have that humility to be open to what we're learning, to be open to other people stepping in to, to voice the right idea at the right time. Um, I think that takes humility too to not have to be the one that gets the say so at the end of every conversation or whatever. And uh, it's a constant struggle because we are, there's something in us that's competitive wants to to have the idea and there's some there's some healthiness about that but it has to come with a good dose of humility or it can derail us so yeah yeah what'd you say before we hit record you about giving credit i thought that was really good oh yeah yeah yeah. well i just think i mean here one of the other ways that we can practice humility and keep ourselves grounded in humility and not get i guess not make up something in our minds that's not true about us or, or whatever it's just to give credit where credit is due if we are people who stop as leaders and point out the good work of the people around us or say, hey, this was such a good idea. You know, our team came up with this idea. I think it was, I think Larry came up with this and it was such a good thought. And then we all kind of worked with it and this is what it turned into. But not only does do you acknowledge the good work that your team is doing and others feel good about that, but it kind of gives a signal to everybody else that they don't have to clamor to be the one that did the right or did the thing and draw the attention or whatever. There's it's just embodying humility when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it's a wonderful discipline to get into because it changes you. You know, if you, when you start getting the habit, like maybe you have to think about it at first, like, Oh yeah, I got to make sure I give credit. But then you start getting to the habit of giving credit and it, it does something inside of you. It's like, um, that entitlement thing or the achievement yeah. thing has less of a hold. Yeah, totally. When you're celebrating others, you're making yeah. much of others. It's not that you're making less of yourself. You're just, I don't know, it does, it sets you free from that grip of 
of entitlement and um, self-centered thinking. So I think that's a really important uh, discipline to cultivate. That might even be one to put on the wall. I've got a lot on my wall. Like I've said, over the years. Give credit. <laughs> One of these days, we got to take a shot of your yeah, wall. Yeah. And, yeah. And celebrate other people, it. make it, make it about what they did and what they've done. And it didn't selfishly with that too. When people see you giving credit where credit is due, other leaders are drawn to that. Other capable people want to be a part of a, a system like that. And I think unfortunately, you know, in, in today's world where, um, you know, people can sniff out anything that's inauthentic or disingenuous. If you're taking stealing credit from people and kind of making yourself more than you ought to be, people are going to notice that and they're not going to be drawn to that. So I think it's just like, it's a good habit. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So, um, maybe, you know, asking God, what are you teaching me in this? And, or, you know, where can I give credit where credit is due? And then I think another one, another way of sort of cultivating leadership humility is, where can I find the joy of Christ in this mm. undelivered expectation? Right. Mm. It's okay. So things didn't work out like I had hoped. We thought 500 people were going to show up and we had 50. What, where can I find some joy in this? And, you know, I, without sounding too much like uh, Marie Kondo and uh, how does this spark joy, spark but, joy but it's kind of the same idea, right? So how does this, this moment, this circumstance, where can I find the joy of the Lord in this? And maybe it's just something like, hey, we had a whole team of people come together to pull off this thing to make much of Jesus. And they did. Yeah. And, and they did a yeah. great job. And we didn't have the turnout we did. But hey, we had 50 people experience this. Like, yeah, we or, had the opportunity we had five for more people experience. focused like, conversations with the group that was there, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. Or we had lots of leftover donuts, so I got to take a whole box of them home with <laughs> That's me. That's right. You know, My kids like were full of joy. <laughs> That's right. But I hear what you're saying because it can be discouraging when our expectations go unmet, right? Or we build something up in our mind and it does and that's not what ends up happening. And how do we continue to to cultivate or find uh joy? Maybe it's a perspective thing, not saying what didn't happen, but what did happen? What did God do? What where did we see God show up and how it's and kind of taking that perspective. And that's almost a giving credit where credit is due thing too. Give give God credit where credit is due will bring joy. And noticing the small things that happen even when our maybe our hopes, our desires, our expectations go unmet. Yeah. And then um the last thing that I had was where where can I give thanks? Yeah. Um to God. You know, how do I have a, a habit of giving thanks? Because again, that's really um, opening your hand to what God wants to give you it, when you're kind of have a discipline of gratitude, you know, thank you, God, for, and this is one that I pray. Thank you for the fruit that I can't see. Mm. You know, I was really hoping to see all the fruit, but that's probably pretty unrealistic. So thank you, God. Thank you for the fruit. I don't see the things you're doing that I have no idea you're doing. And some of those things may be inside of me. And thank you so much for that. Yeah. And I think sometimes when things don't go your way, it's sort of the the Thomas Edison perspective of we found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Like, you know, God, thank you for what we're learning. Thank you for what we're discovering about how people connect with you now and um, and help us to continue to apply those lessons. But that discipline of gratitude, when you express gratitude, it is so good for your your heart. It just is on an emotional level, on a spiritual level. I I think probably even on a physical level. I don't know. I don't have the the research in front of me to prove that. But gratitude is such a healthy habit, a healthy discipline. And 
Um, I remember um, the pastor that worked here at Marine View before um, he retired, uh, Pastor John, and I used to talk about his, his at the end of his day is when he did his time with God instead of at the beginning. And, you know, that's a little backwards from where maybe most, I don't know, whatever, do whatever you want to do. But he would do it at the end of the day. And one of the things he talked about how is how he thought through the whole day and he prayed about, you know, the various for people that he can encountered or different things. And then he would find moments to say thank you to God for. Thank you for God, what you did here. Thank you for what I saw here. Thanks for, for this. And he ended his day before he went to bed with gratitude. And he said that was his way of keeping himself asleep all night because <laughs> he didn't have to wake up and worry or whatever. But gratitude was this really healthy thing uh, for his his life with God. And I think for us, that discipline of gratitude is it's a must have. We we got it. We got to practice that. Otherwise, um, we start to miss it. We start to miss uh, that opportunity to, to acknowledge what is what is good, what is happening, what is there. Yeah. And when I when I pull all of this together about humility and entitlement and I and I shoot it up to the 30,000 foot level for me it means don't have expect you know there's all sorts of possible expectations of how many people in person are we going to have now and how many people online and and who's going to show up for Sunday school and who's going to rather than having some sort of predetermined thing in my head of what would be success or failure I one of the things I keep telling myself is it's just going to be different. And that's good. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. We're going to measure stuff and it's not going to measure the way we want it to, or it's going to measure in a way that we didn't expect. That's all right. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever try to move forward and continue to engage more people. Of course you, you can, but allow yourself some space to say, oh, well, we're comparing it to 2019 and 18 and it's, you know, or we're comparing it to 2020 and it's just, you know, not measuring up. Stop it allow yourself, give yourself permission to just say, it's okay. It's just different. It's just different. And maybe that will help you hold it a little loosely, those expectations. Yeah. So managing those expectations is is really crucial. And maybe even having conversations with yourself beforehand to say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm on board with whatever this is going to end up looking like. Because what's going to happen then, Jason, too, is when it doesn't go your way, it's not going to have that big ego hit and you're not going to be as down when it, the numbers are great, you're not going to start going, oh, man, I'm really I'm really something, you know. Um, and so I think it works both directions. When things aren't going well, it helps kind of protect you. And when things are going well, you're not going to start to think of more highly of yourself than you ought, right, as we're yeah. warned against. And uh, so, I think yeah. think about this. I'll just add this little thought. I, I This has happened to me so many times. I'll be on a little, what I call a winning streak in my sermons where I feel like I've just nailed it a couple weeks in a row. And I'm feeling great about my preparation and the content and the stories and the illustrations. And I'm like, and there's this moment and it happens all the time and I wish it wouldn't, but I start to go, man, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> That's been, this has been a good, and then guess what? Guess what happens <laughs> that, that next Sunday? It's like lay an egg big time. It's like, Listen, you will be reminded of your inadequacy in the minute you start to think that you're something that you're not, right? So I whatever you do, don't pray for problem. humility. Don't pray for your uh, the Lord yeah, will deliver. So, That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've just as many times as I've had that experience, you're on a winning streak. You're on, you know, in baseball, I remember have I'd be a, I'd have a good hitting streak going. And then for some dumb reason, I'd go look back in the book and see how many games in a row or how many hits I'd had over the last week. And then inevitably, what happens? 
you know, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts, right? So um, <laughs> humility is a good thing uh, when we cultivate it. Well, again, I hope this is helpful, everyone. Listen, um, may not be the buffet you were expecting, but the Chick-fil-A box might be <laughs> might be That's everything right. you ever wanted. All right. So uh, as we uh, go forward to Christmas, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We're really talk about being thankful. Uh, we really have a lot of gratitude for you and for the good work that you're doing and are cheering for you as we go into uh, Christmas weekend. Uh, I did want to tee up our next guest. So uh, we are going to... Uh, drop an episode during the week between Christmas and New Year's, which there have been a couple of times we've taken that week off, but we have a a really cool guest. It's a little bit of a different vibe than our usual thing, which is probably good. (laughs) But um, Jay Warner Wallace is an author and he was a former crime scene investigator, homicide invest detective, and he has taken everything he knows about uh, about that life and applied it to really kind of Christian apologetics. And he has a new book called Person of Interest. And we're going to talk with him. And that episode will air um, next week, next Tuesday. So it, it's great. I love talking. And we had him on once before. This was a, a couple of years ago. And um, I really enjoyed it. It's just a different thing. And and I like I like hearing what comes from the world of apologetics. I think it's helpful. I always take something away and apply it. So I hope you all have that experience too. Yeah. We had a great time in our conversation with this last time. If you're looking for Jay Warner Wallace, I think cold case Christianity was yes. yeah. a book that we talked about the first time. So new, new material person of interest. Can't wait for that conversation. All right, everyone. Well, until next time, ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. God bless you and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.